Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Design of Experience. Apparently, it is by design. 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 Experience. Conversations about the ideas that make us feel a tribal devotion to the things we love. Tribal, 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 tribal. We have some new sound effects. That is a guy who's been stuck in his house for a long time. Well, Steve, Matt, today we're going to jump back into brand mindfulness. This is episode three. So I'm going to give a quick recap on where we've been and where we're going. Okay. So in episode one, we talked about the idea that your brand is always in some moment and recognizing that fact gives you the power to be agile and pivot to the moment's need, all while staying in step and in sync with your brand. Then in episode two, we talked about understanding what observing a moment looks like. And we compared those levels of observation to concentric rings of awareness radiating out from your brand. So today we are going to continue that conversation with how your brand can take action to the moment you are in. Wait a minute. All while staying in step with your brand. Is it really that easy? No, Matt, it's not that easy. (laughs) But maybe you could set the stage for us and tell us where taking action would begin. All right. So if you really know what you're doing, why you get up in the morning, it's not just about you. It's about your people, slightly Marxist there, but your people and how they help you build a brand. On this bright summer day, we're going to find out many things about sharing with others. Here's Jimmy to answer the doorbell. Isn't he surprised to see such a big box? Now Jimmy has an idea. Jimmy thinks the box would make a fine lemonade stand. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. Just yeah. caring about people is Marxist? Hell yeah, it is. No, I'm, I'm throwing a penalty flag on that. How many ultra-capitalist companies in the United States of America claim to be, it's all about our people, our people are our most valuable asset? That doesn't mean they're Marxist. I'm going to be the person that just reveals my vulnerability here and says, I don't know what being Marxist is. Well, it's it's very complicated. Do we have to start over? No, 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 please. Let's just keep going. We're good. You were making a great point about people, the importance of people. If you are deeply connected with your brand, hopefully you are deeply connected with the people who you have brought in as a part of your company, your enterprise, your whatever, even if it's a small lemonade stand down the street, you know, like three (laughs) kids, seven years old, nine year olds, 10 year olds, you know, selling lemonade to the people. I was walking with my wife in our neighborhood and there was a young gentleman sitting out in front of his yard. I would give him eight or nine years, maybe 10 years. And he had a lemonade and snack stand set up. Oh, expanding channels. Yeah, we walked by and I looked at the table and he was selling lemonade. And he also had little baggies full of things like pretzel sticks goldfish and he was selling little baggies of stuff and I'm like man I kind of want to give this kid a buck just for his effort but I'm like good luck with that right now dude we're all walking around wearing masks hoping that nobody has touched anything we put in our mouth and I'm looking at your little baggies of snacks and it's a firm no 
Wait a minute. They were baggies full of edibles, right? Yeah, but not, yeah, just goldfish and pretzel sticks. All right. So the point is, though, if you are deeply connected with your company, your brand, what you do for a living, why you exist, that is brand mindfulness. That's the big one right there. Even more than the people. Why? Why are you doing what you're doing? If the why is constant and it's true to your ikigai, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? Quenching thirst. There you go. What does the world need right now and what can I get paid to do? The world needs hydration plus a little flavor. And so where all those things converge, you have found your ikigai. So if I have a lemonade stand and COVID-19 hits, then all I really need to do is put out bottles of lemonade and a big sign that says, this lemonade was not touched by human hands. You, passerby, I know you're thirsty. You're on a walk. You want this lemonade, but you're looking at a nine-year-old kid thinking he put his greasy hands in the lemonade, but that's not true. Look at my sign. We are in a moment. It's a disease-filled moment. We're all scared, but let's try and bring it back from that and just talk theoretically. Okay, it's a happy moment and you're making lemonade, but you see a drop in sales and you think, how could I really differentiate myself as a producer of lemonade? Hmm, maybe last Lasberry. That's good. <laughs> Raspberry lemonade. <laughs> Maybe, oh, 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 uh, 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 blueberry lemonade. You know, that's differentiator, right? You've realized as a lemonade producer, things have changed. Sales have dropped. I need to make a change. I need to get these customers back in the door. How do I do it? I change up flavors. Maybe that'll be interesting. What happened to you? What is going on? What you're saying is you need to take action. When we have workshops with brands to figure out how to take action in their moment, we actually have five steps that we go through. I think this conversation could give you a look into what we love to talk about and why we love partnering with brands to help them navigate these moments that Matt is describing. We often start a partnership with a brand. We'll do kind of a workshop like this, and then we'll continue to work together as they navigate the different moments in their brand's life cycle. Hey, Steve. Yes, Emily. Have you done a brand workshop with a lemonade stand owner? You know what? I haven't. If we were having a hypothetical workshop with the lemonade stand operator. What would step one be? Step one is identify your advantage. We use a Venn diagram from a company called Corporate Visions Power Messaging. Just want to give credit because that's where I stole it. It's a Venn diagram. There's three circles, intersecting circles. The top circle is your competition. The bottom left circle is you, your corporation, your entity. The bottom right circle is your customer, your client, your prospect. Instead of always trying to chase the messaging that your competition has already put into market, have a conversation up in the middle where those three circles converge. Why not have a unique conversation down at the bottom where you uniquely overlap with your prospect? What is it you're saying to them that connects with them that your competition isn't saying? What's the white space where you can have that conversation? So that's identify your advantage. 
So if you were the lemonade stand operator, maybe you offer Lasberry lemonade, which your competition doesn't even know what that is. So you can only have that conversation with your prospective client. If you were just talking lemonade, you'd be like, hey, everybody, our lemonade is wet. (laughs) Our lemonade tastes like lemons. Our lemonade is yellow. And it's like, great, good for you. So is everyone else's lemonade. But have you heard of Lasberry lemonade? But have you heard of Lasberry? Exactly. And if you're Matt DeVille, you're like, okay, there's only one more box to check. Are you or are you not a Marxist? (laughs) Right, exactly. Lemonade, three cents. Well, it didn't take long for Jimmy to set himself up in business Now, all he needs is some customers. Here come some of Jimmy's friends. Betty wants to be the first to try out Jimmy's lemonade. And there seem to be two more customers. Oh, Jimmy will sell lots of lemonade. But, uh uh-oh, there's only one more glass. Should he ask them to share the glasses? No, that wouldn't be healthy. You see, there are some things we do not share. After we work through that with clients, we usually go into step two, which is diagnosing your current strengths. So we use something that we lovingly refer to as the flux capacitor. Now, I don't know if it started to look like that first and we came up with the name second, but it's appropriate because if you think about it from back to the future, that shape is what it is, which is basically our version of a value discipline tool developed by Tracy and Weersma. It answers the question of what is it that you're doing extremely well? So when you're asking this question, you have to ask, have you established a measure of productive leadership, operational excellence, or customer intimacy? And those three things are the points on the flux capacitor. And when you look at this, most companies have naturally excelled in one of these areas by the time we start talking to them. It's important to assess this with brutal honesty because it reveals some core priorities of why you're in business. And it also reveals some false ideas of why you may think you're in business. So when you look at this flux capacitor diagram and think, has our business success thus far been in product leadership, operations? excellence or customer intimacy, it helps you see where you've been, where you're going, what your capabilities allow you to do. So spending time with this really brings clarity to that next area of growth. If you're in Lemonade and you somehow had the idea that your strength was product leadership, we've actually come up with something that can be a category leader. If it's just regular Lemonade, you're mistaken. If it's Lasberry Lemonade, now that could be a first. If you are somebody who thinks, oh, we believe in customer intimacy, but all you've ever done is make billions and billions of hamburgers, aka a brand we all know and love, McDonald's, well, maybe what you're really about is operational excellence, figuring out how to make the same burger in New York City that you can buy in Shanghai. It's just a tool that helps our clients and their companies get real with what they're really good at. All right. So typical lemonade stand, you know, you roll up and they got the country time and they got like a pitcher and a garden hose and they're just mixing it together. And they're like, here, have some lemonade. This is so good. If you really want to make lemonade and be passionate about it, you squeeze the damn lemons yourself. 
What you're describing there would be trying to figure out how to pursue product leadership because you're taking Lemonade into a unique product direction. The other side of that, let's just say that neighborhood kid is out there and he just wants an excuse to have a good reason to be outside and socialize because he just really likes talking to the neighbors and he could do that through Lemonade. And when people come to his stand, they've seen him grow up through the years. They love the conversation. He knows their order before they get there. Somehow it's always Lemonade, but he knows. That would be pursuing a form of customer intimacy. Right. And that would be like his designating factor from that other kid, like three blocks down that we don't like that also sells lemonade. Yep. 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 So he'd be pursuing customer intimacy. On the lemonade stand level, how do you achieve operational excellence? For the operational excellence side of lemonade standing, which is now a verb, I think consistency is key here. Because if you think about the examples of like McDonald's or Starbucks who have achieved consistency across diverse marketplaces, the key here is efficiency, consistency, quality, predictability. And so if this kid finds out a way to like perfectly manufacture every cup of lemonade, and it tastes exactly the same and his costs go down, therefore his profits go up, then he's achieving some type of operational excellence. And I would say, real quick recap, step one, identify your advantage. Step two, diagnose your current strengths. If you do enough examination, they should be rather self-evident. What is it that we are truly better at than anybody else? And what strengths have led us into that space? There's a good chance that your core passions, what you actually genuinely care about, is the reason you ended up with an advantage and very strong in one of those three areas of the flux capacitor. So hopefully your team, brand, company, small business, you have been through an exercise like we just described as the flux capacitor, figuring out where your business naturally excels. But over time, you may lose your focus, your why. Why are you doing business? And your priorities get reversed. So instead of leading with why, companies often talk about features first, which we sometimes say how or what. Leading with features and product points doesn't help fellow believers recognize your voice when you're calling out to them. There is no passion anymore. There is no reason for existing. There is just buy our products and make us money. This is also very reflective of Simon Sinek's golden circle talk, which is a bullseye diagram. There is a why in the middle, a how radiating out of that, and then a what on the outermost layer. He says too often that people start with what or how instead of starting from the middle, which is why, and then letting that influence your how or your what. To really have this make sense and feel like it kind of can come to life, it's important for your brand to understand its personality traits, its reasons to believe, functional and emotional benefits of what you do. So when we work through this type of thing with clients in a workshop, we draw a messaging pyramid. Have one that we use and we've kind of tweaked it and customized it, but basically most of them are very similar. At the top of the pyramid, you have the why. Right under that, you have a layer that describes the what. Under that, you have the functional benefits of what you do and the emotional benefits of what you do. Then the reasons to believe, those are kind of your data points. And then personality traits, if you had to describe your brand as a person, what would that person be like? 
Ultimately, constructing a messaging pyramid like this really brings a lot into focus. But the idea is that all of these things that Steve just described level up to and make sense at building towards that why. You could have one why that could be expressed in five different messaging pyramids for five different brands. But that messaging pyramid really brings a consistency and kind of a focus to what is different about your brand and how, by its namesake, the messaging is going to come across. I think we have an example of a company that has followed their why, kept the messaging pyramid in check, and navigated and made a really tough decision. Airbnb is laying off nearly 1,900 employees. That accounts for about 25% of its workforce. Brian Chesky spoke to employees today and told them of the decision. He says that Airbnb is going back to its roots, so that means slowing the pace of investment on things like professional hosts and bringing more hotels onto the platform, a big push that it has made over the last few years. Um, He says that they are collectively living through the most harrowing crisis of their lifetime. Last week, I happened upon a message from the co-founder and CEO of Airbnb, Brian Chesky. And so Airbnb has had to make some really difficult decisions. We feel this too, because one of our biggest clients was Hilton Worldwide and the hospitality industry, it has just crumbled. And I really appreciated the letter, the mindfulness about the moment they were in and the brand that they have and why they started me because in this difficult time they've had to reduce their workforce by 25% and in explaining the reasons here's what Brian Chesky said to their people he said this crisis has sharpened our focus to get back to our roots back to the basics back to what is truly special about Airbnb everyday people who host their homes and offer experiences. Besides reducing the workforce, what he explains in the longer version is we're making reductions based on our understanding of where we started, why we're doing this in the first place, and what we set out to do. He goes on and says, this means we will need to reduce our investment in activities that do not directly support the core of our host community. We are pausing our efforts in transportation. We're pausing our efforts in Airbnb studios. We have to scale back our investment in hotels. All of that He said, we're getting rid of that because where we started was homeowners wanting to provide experiences to fellow travelers because we believe in things like belonging and inclusion and hospitality. Look, as a part-time Marxist, I am hopeful that this crisis will bring us all to a more humane level of existing. What I caught And what I latched onto was this idea of sharing experience with other human beings. I think part of that spirit of that human existence was what fueled Airbnb. To me, that's exciting to think about them going back to those roots. They had to basically reposition themselves. It's a nice segue into step four after you've done the messaging pyramid, which is write a new positioning statement. This is really the movie trailer version of who you are as a company. This is your in a world where everybody else does this. We do that because we believe such and such. 
this is how we construct a positioning statement for our clients. For Airbnb, it would be something like this. For property owners who are willing to share their homes, Airbnb provides the most accessible, user-friendly interface, connecting the largest collection of spaces on the planet. Because like our customers, Airbnb believes in the importance of belonging, human connection, and creating experiences for fellow travelers. Who does that exclude? It excludes people who don't believe like they believe. It excludes all the people who saw Airbnb as an amazing business model. You thought you were in the short-term rental business and they went out and bought 10 houses with no intention of doing anything but quote-unquote Airbnb-ing them. It became a verb. Oh, I'm buying this property. I'm just going to Airbnb it. Well, that's not the same as a homeowner wanting to share their space because they believe in belonging and creating experiences for fellow travelers. Airbnb had to rediscover, you know, actually we're in the belonging business. We're in the creating experiences business. We're in the sharing our spaces business. Here's another thing for Jimmy to think about. Betty has an idea. Wouldn't it be fun if they all shared in the business? If they made this a partnership, they could make the stand bigger and better, too. But Jimmy doesn't want to share his fun and his business. He's also thinking about his lemonade stand and how he hasn't made one sale. Well, might as well do it now, since he can't seem to sell any lemonade, and he isn't even having any fun. Interestingly, we've spent all this time, steps one through four, talking about all this like deep, kind of almost soul-searching reasons for existing and really figuring out a smart approach to navigating your business through a moment. And only now, after steps one through four, do we say, step five, (laughs) create copy. And so if that was exhausting to listen to and think about going like on that endeavor... Yes, we take it that seriously. And we only add what we call words and pictures after all that thinking. We've done that digging. We've kind of figured out where we are on that Venn diagram with our competitors. How are we going to connect with our clients in a unique way? We then navigate that flux capacitor to understand our strengths and what we're truly good at. Then we think through that messaging pyramid to really sharpen our voice. Then we do what Matt and Steve were just talking about with a smart positioning statement to really focus that into something succinct and only now do we suggest that we start thinking about how do you express all of that through copy look the reason i got into this career was i thought okay you know being the next boss scout or warhol or whoever was too intense too difficult i'll become a graphic designer in a way right now what you're saying is we have to do all this pre-thought And then you get to the part where, hey, Matt, you can be a graphic designer. You can be a web designer. You can think about how this translates into visuals. It's humbling. That's an amazing thing. So a lot of companies and a lot of brand designers would really benefit from taking a step back and saying, okay, I'm going to be more mindful. I'm going to go through all of these steps and then get to the point where finally I can unleash my my designers, my web people, my brand designers, my logo person, whatever, and just say, okay, go have a free for all. I think that's a really powerful message. At that point, and you know this as a designer, it's not a free for all, is it? 
It's a very focused design exercise that is informed by a clear understanding of the sort of the ethos of the brand that we've now focused on and arrived at. And that's now we're ready to rebrand or reposition or redesign or refresh or any of those other re's that we might throw in front of our clients, depending on their threshold for change in that moment. But now that we've understood all this, okay, we understand how to extend that into future business models or different markets or segments that we're trying to reach, all that stuff. All this to say, these five steps, this is about how we help people take action in those moments. Yes, it's a lot, but that's why you don't want to go at it alone and you want to have a team of people that think about it this way. Hearing this kind of thing can be overwhelming, but remember that to build a successful business or brand, large or small, it's about those key partnerships and partnering with people who are passionate and excel at what they do. So if you make lemonade, You keep making lemonade, but find a friend who knows all about how to grow your brand and (laughs) make it a good one and help you navigate your moments. Here's Mother, pleased that the lemonade stand has been such a big success. Now that others have shared in fixing up the lemonade stand, it's bigger and better than before. What's more, there are customers. Anyone can see that this stand is well run. So it must be a good place to buy lemonade. So you learn to share with others. You'll like it. Your friends will like you too. The Design of Experience is produced by 15.4, a creative agency located in Charm City, Baltimore, Maryland. Produced by Emily Wolf, engineered by Josh Frisch, and edited by Sam Otto with story and creative development by Matt DeVille and Steve Smallman.